1: A fight card this Saturday, and it's headlined by a pair of title bouts when UFC 247 invades the Toyota Center on pay per view. Headlined, of course, by light heavyweight champion John Jones. Welcome in to the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports. My name is Brian Campbell, and with me to break down this card at length is my co host. You know him as a UFC Hall of Famer, always sweet, never sour, I like to say. It's Sugar Rashad Evans.
0: What's going on, BC? Good to be here. Good to be with you. I, I forgot the you didn't say the uh the hurricane survivor part.
1: <laughs> yeah, he is an earthquake survivor <laughs> Earthquake. During his earthquake. Hall of Fame speech last July. Former UFC light heavyweight champion. You might be the most fittest man in South Florida at the moment, but that's another topic for another day, Rashad. We've got an interesting card to break down for this Saturday. Of course, John Jones and the marquee against unbeaten challenger Dominic Reyes. We're also going to see the return of women's flyweight champion Valentina Shevchenko in her third title defense against Caitlin Chukagian. Wanted, though, to pick your brain a little bit about the biggest headlines in the sport of MMA before that. You are ready for this? You want to go three rounds with BC? I'm ready to go three rounds with Prichard. I'm ready. I'm, ready.
0: I'm ready. I'm <laughs> ready.
1: Let's do it right here. Round one, we start off with this. Dana White, the UFC president, was on our own. Jim Rome show talking about the future plans for 2020. He is targeting for international fight week in July, a main event, a Walter Waite title bout, as Kamaro Usman would defend against BMF champion against upstart phenomenon, Jorge Masvidal. Now, Rashad, if that plan plays out to perfection. That will not include Conor McGregor. And obviously, McGregor-Mazvidal is a fight so many fans and experts want. This would put McGregor more in line to fight the winner of Habib Nurmagomedov, Tony Ferguson, for that lightweight title. Is this the right move business-wise for Dana White and UFC?
0: Yeah, I think it is. I think it is mainly just for the fact that you know, this fight has legs of its own to stand on. You know, with that whole Super Bowl confrontation between uh, Usman and and Masvidal, you know, that kind of sparked some interest and it it made people want to see that fight. But even before that, I felt as if, like, this was the next fight to make. I mean, you can put Conor into the mix, but at the end of the day, you know, you want to see guys who are legit 170-pounders who's been putting in the work get that shot, and Masvidal is that guy.
1: And look... Masvidal, what else would he have to do to earn a title shot after his fighter of the year campaign last year? I think the biggest question, if you're going to counter this, is say, who else would Usman face? There really isn't anyone else right there next in line, maybe outside of a Leon Edwards, but he doesn't have the marketing side to demand that kind of shot. Do you have any fear, though? Styles-wise, and I know you're close with Kamara Usman, you know his wrestling ability, that this could be a trap fight for Jorge Masvidal when he is so popular and so ready to be burst onto the mainstream.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- this is definitely a tough fight for Usman. I mean, there's some things that Myles brings to this card. I mean, to this fight, you know, uh, he, he's got he's got really good grappling. He's got the ability to get up to his feet, and he's been dominated by wrestlers in fights before. So, you know, he's definitely have learned from that situation, and he knows what Kamara is going to do. He knows what Kamara is good at, so he definitely brings some. Uh, problems to the table but I think where he falls short is where he underestimates Camaro with his stand-up I think that's going to be something that surprises him um also you know to, to his favor you know I think that his speed may be something that may give Kamara some trouble as well too so there's some there's some uh some some interesting trade-offs in this matchup between the two of them
1: And certainly a Masvidal victory would be a monster boost to his star power. And obviously, on the UFC side, you get a chance to make Conor McGregor against Habib Nurmagomedov. If he wins, by the way, no disrespect to Tony Ferguson, you kind of got to go forward with that plan. It may be the only fight right now in the sport of MMA that could really challenge that pay-per-view record. Not only the UFC pay-per-view record, which was Conor Habib won, but I'm talking about all the pay-per-view records. You know, the bloodlust between them. You know that Conor McGregor's brand is refurbished. But moving on to round two here, Rashad. You talked about Kamaro Usman striking. We saw that on full display at UFC 245 in December when he knocked out former interim title challenger Colby Covington in one heck of a five-round brawl. Covington was on ESPN on the Ariel Hawani MMA show. He basically put it like this, Rashad. I'm only coming back for a title shot or I'm not coming back at all. Give me that immediate rematch with Usman or he used words like this sport is fixed, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, Colby Covington, he'll let that mouth go from your perspective. Does he have any case for this to be able to say, look, hey, hey, Jorge, you wait in line. I'm next, brother.
0: No, Kobe, listen. He had a great fight. It was a great fight uh between the two of them, but here's the rea- here's the reality. At the end of the fight, he got finished. And when you get finished in a fight, it ain't, if it went to the judges and it was a split decision, yeah, he has grounds to say, "Listen, let's get a split, uh let's, let's get a rematch." But he got finished. When you get finished, you have to at least get one fight back in there to say, you know what, I worked on my things, and now I'm ready to challenge once more, the new and improved Colby Covington. But you just don't come after being finished and say, I'm new and improved, and I'm ready to fight the champ again. He's got to face the facts. He got finished in that fight.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is Colby certainly exercising the power of his own brand marketing-wise, but I think it leaves you going, hey, Colby. You've done great building yourself into the most hated man in UFC, but (laughs) you're not Conor McGregor at the end of the day. There's only so far you can call your own shots. Interesting, though, Colby told uh, ESPN, look, I want that rematch with Usman or I want a celebrity boxing match with 50 Cent. He's a little upset at some of the tweets that good old Fiddy put out there. I know Fiddy survived a few gunshots. I don't know if he wants this kind of smoke.
0: Nah, you know <laughs> 50 definitely the one that's gotta smoke, especially against Kobe Covington. Listen, Col- Kobe should just take the fact that, you know, he's been he's been getting, you know, he he's 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 got what he wanted. You know, people respect him now. Um his his name is hot right now, even though he did lose that fight, you know, he he has he has a bit of credibility. The only thing that can ruin it is just running his mouth. <laughs> and <laughs> You have to
1: believe if Colby can stay busy, he probably would be one win away from getting right back into that title picture after he recovers from the broken jaw, of course. But round three, I know I'm going to preview with you Jones Reyes this weekend at UFC 247, but John Jones himself, maybe the greatest of all time, did have a chat with Ariel Hawani this week and said, look, if I get by Dom Reyes, it may be time to go to heavyweight. I want the Stipe Miocic rematch. I think it's a matchup that fits me perfectly in every category. Rashad, he said he would not even need a tune-up fight. All right, I want to ask you this. I'm not here to say anything bad about the idea of Jones Miocic. Would be big business, would be everything I want for John Jones' legacy to have a chance to be what it could be. But how much do you think him saying this is another jab at his great rival Daniel Cormier, who basically echoed Colby and said, you either give me Pay for a third time or I'm retiring.
0: Yeah, listen, I I agree with that matchup. I agree with that call out too, because honestly, speaking if John Jones bumped up, he is the most successful fighter in the light heavyweight class and, you know, a legend in the sport. And you're probably one of the best athletes to ever strap on the four-ounce glove. So you got to put him in there right away with the title shot. Um, It'll be an interesting fight because here's the thing about it. Stipe does not get enough respect, and I can't say that enough. You know, I don't know what it is, but people think that Stipe is that guy, but he constantly, constantly proves that he is not the one to pick. So, it'd be a good fight, but uh, it, it's it's um it'd be something interesting to see, at say the least.
1: Yeah, I've been on record so many times saying John Jones versus any elite top five heavyweight. Heck, John Jones against Brock Lesnar. Anything you do with John Jones at heavyweight, it would be the biggest business he could make, maybe outside of a Cormier trilogy fight, just because of that intrigue to see what would happen if he matched his skills against more dangerous punchers. And obviously, that would be a great way for John Jones, who's 32 and already the GOAT, to kind of add to his legacy in a way that maybe nobody could eventually touch him. Obviously, he's got to get through Dom Reyes this weekend at UFC 247. We're going to get into that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your
0: happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
1: Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Let's be honest here, Rashad, all right? These views that are expressed coming out of my mouth are the express written consent of Brian Campbell. Maybe not Rashad Evans, but this UFC 247 card is about as top heavy as it gets. I love me this Jones Reyes fight. I'm always going to be excited when Valentina Shevchenko gets on board, but it's slim pickings after that to find a fight you care about, a storyline, something you need to see. When you, Rashad Evans, look at this undercard for Saturday Night in Houston, any matchup jumping out to you that we should take a closer look at?
0: I like the Miles Johns and the uh, Mario Batista fight. You know, Miles Johns coming from the Contender Series. Uh, big guy from the Bantam weight class, got a lot of power, can wrestle real good, can go for submission opportunistic in a submission position. Uh, he got some real power in his feet, and he go, he's going against a guy in Batista, and this guy's full throttle. You know, he's got... A lot of volume and a striking. he's a wrestling base fighter, and he just goes at it full pace in your face kind of fight. so this is gonna be an in your face kind of fight and uh you uh, the contender series guys have impressed me so much because they get on the stage and they're not you know they're they're not shy about it. They have so much confidence as as if they've been fighting the UFC for years, so I'm looking forward to see what this guy has, John miles,
1: yeah, it's getting to the words Dana White contender series. You're, you're thinking about an aggressive, hungry fighter. The Macy Barbers, the Edmund Shabazians, on and on. Johnny Walker's had great success coming out of that show. Rashad, when I look at this undercard, maybe this fight I'm going to identify, you know, won't deliver the most entertainment, but it could be important. It comes in that women's flyweight division. We're going to see Shevchenko in the co-main event defend it. But Lauren Murphy going in there against Andrea KGB Lee, just from this standpoint, That field of potential contenders is so incredibly thin. I know Joanne Calderwood is also in this conversation and she's fresh off a victory over Andrea Lee, but you really can't name a single contender, Caitlin Chukagian included, who stands out so much above the rest, where I always feel like any women's flyweight fighter is one strong win away from getting right deep into that title conversation even Roxanne Modafferi the legend the the veteran excuse me who got the big win over the the upstar prospect Macy Barber last pay-per-view you look at Lauren Murphy and Andrea Lee I don't know Rashad if you get a big finish here if you make some noise on that microphone there ain't a lot of business for Valentina if she wins this Saturday
0: Yeah I know and uh Lauren Murphy's been impressing me she's been looking so good lately Just her her mindset, it seems to have changed since she got off the Ultimate Fighters show. And now she's competing with a different kind of passion, with a different kind of mindset. And just kind of like she belongs in there, you know. So I'm looking for some big things out of her.
1: All right, let's go through this main card that goes down on pay-per-view on Saturday, UFC 247 in Houston. I'll echo it again, not the deepest. We do have potential for some bangers. And when you start out there in that opener in the heavyweight division, Derek Lewis always always brings entertainment with his all-or-nothing style and his even more bombastic ability on the microphone. He's going in there against a tough out in a lair Latifi. My boy Brandon Wise of CBS Sports has dubbed him Beefy Latifi. But Latifi making that debut this time around at heavyweight, he's fought just about everyone at light heavyweight. If he doesn't win, he typically gets knocked out. How do you like his chances in the higher division considering he's already one of the shortest light heavyweights among the top contenders
0: well I like you said the fact that he's a shorter guy and he's been used to being the shorter guy for a longer time but now i feel he's in a weight class that fits him more and, I fit, and in his attributes that he didn't have a light heavyweight being the the faster guy he gains as a heavyweight so i kind of like him better as a heavyweight the things that he needs to work on as a heavyweight is just kind of working more of his wrestling game latifi's a great wrestler but kind of got out of it because he was into the striking with the light heavyweights but now i think he's at the heavyweights he can go back to his wrestling base and start to tire some of these guys out once he tires these guys out and put the pace on them that i would believe he should be able to put on them being a lighter guy going up to heavyweight i think he should be able to let his hands go at that point this is a tough fight, a bigger, tougher fight for Derrick Lewis, who showed in the past that he fades when a guy has a lot of energy, a guy who can put a lot of pressure on him. He does have the power, Derrick Lewis does, and, and that's going to be, the, I guess, the, 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 the defining moment in the fight if uh, Lira Latifi can take those shots. But for the most part, I got beef for Latifi.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting angle, and I like you taking that upset pick there because I'm not here to necessarily compare Latifi to great heavyweight champions of old. We don't know yet how he's going to look on Saturday and from then on, but that whole concept of being smaller, quicker, with a better gas tank, and using wrestling, which we don't historically always see across the board as a strength for heavyweights, you look back, Randy Couture, undersized heavyweight who was a wrestler. Kane Velasquez, somewhat undersized wrestler. Daniel Cormier, somewhat I mean, you get the the drift of what I'm going and here And You can't, you can't was, forget
0: about the uh the Denver, the Denver, uh, you know, the um, what's his name? Uh God, I'm drawing a blank. I'm drawing a blank.
1: You ain't talking about Sean, Shane Carwin, are you?
0: No, no, no. The Denver, the, he just he just won. Um he beat uh oh my gosh, my mind's drawing a blank. The heavyweight that just won. Oh. Uh. I'm drawing a blank
1: too. We failed the audience here. No, no worries the head. But, you know, Derek Lewis can be vulnerable at times. Here's one thing I always worry about, Derek. And he climbed that mountain in such an unexpected way to get that title shot against Daniel Cormier. He's 34 years old. Yeah, he ended a two-fight losing streak when he beat Blago Ivanov last November. But I almost felt like him losing in such a one-sided fashion to D.C. may have taken the the air out of his motivation. This is a guy who openly admits, you know, I don't always train the hardest. And that was a fight in which he went all in on. He came up widely empty. I fear for him that he's just going to become an exciting paycheck guy. And I think when you develop that mindset, you can take some L's along the way, Rashad.
0: Absolutely. And And that's a tough position to fight from. I mean, he enjoys to compete. But at the end of the day, you see when it's a dogfight out there, you know, Derek Lewis, sometimes he's game and sometimes he's not. But it all depends on if the guy did something in the fight to upset him. You can tell when Derek takes, a, takes it personal because then, you know, he fights a little bit harder, fights a little bit differently. But if that cord is not struck in the fight, then sometimes you can see Derek is like, all right, you got it. I'm done. I got paid.
1: We move on to the featherweight division. Uh the always exciting Mursad Bektik will be in there against Upstart Dan Ige. Now Ige's from Hawaii. He's four and one since making his UFC debut and has looked, you know, spectacular at times. Rashad, there were some people at certain points thinking Bektik was a title contender. We've seen some up and downs from him. Where do you think he is at right now in his arc?
0: I think he's figuring it out. You know, but Bektik is figuring it out and he's been uh you know, taking the, the long road to figuring out, but he's, get, he's getting everything. He's getting his, his rhythm and everything down. I still believe in back. I think he's a tremendous talent, but like I said, you know, he still needs to figure out, but Danny Ege is a guy that, that I'm looking for to just kind of, uh, go in there and do what I've seen him do. I've trained with Ege many, many times and. uh, in Las Vegas, and this guy has gotten so much better from the stand-up point of view, but I think the ground is where he's been growing the most. He did a camp with Habib, and that camp has taught him so much about his style, and he kind of formulated his style after, you know, being in that camp and after grinding with those guys. So this is a different Dan Ige than we got here.
1: I'm interested to see if he can really make that leap. You hear a lot of underground rumblings for a couple years about Ige, that there could be something special there. We move on to the heavyweight division. Now, look, I don't have a background in MMA matchmaking. I'm just one of those critics, right, who sits in his basement where I am right now and criticizes people. But why is this card in the main card in this feature spot? It's Juan Adams at heavyweight against Justin Taffa. You may remember that name, Juan Adams. He's on a two-fight losing streak. One of those against Greg Hardy, the embattled former NFL All-Pro who's making his own sort of rise as a heavyweight here. I don't know what to look for in this one, Rashad. What am I missing?
0: I don't know either man I really don't know <laughs> I know I don't know either man I'm kind of hoping that they bring something I'm kind of hoping that they make it uh exciting you know I mean Juan Adams maybe can 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 land something uh Taft maybe can land something as well too this is this is Tafa this is Taffa's not bad though Tafa's one of those guys who 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 seems like he has some promise seems like he has some power in his hands it seems like he can do something so hopefully they both seem like they can do something together i don't know this is this is this is a sleeper for me
1: yeah i mean juan adams has the size and the power when when he's been victorious it's been by knockout either in lfa or since he joined the ufc through the dana white contender series He's a fun guy when it comes to interviews and, and running his mouth, and he's flamboyant in the cage. And look, obviously, you take some losses early on. You learn from those, especially from a heavyweight who has the time to mature. I mean, we see so many heavyweight contenders in their late 30s. Juan Adams, just 27. He's going he's gonna to have a great showcase opportunity at the very least here on Saturday night in Houston. But we move on to the two fights that matter the most here Both title opportunities in that co-main event. You have Valentina Shevchenko, the women's flyweight queen, and arguably... I mean, how can you call her arguably the best in the world when she's lost twice to Amanda Nunes, the greatest of all time? I'm here to tell you arguably the best in the world. She got a little bit robbed in that rematch. Maybe we'll see a third one day. But we know Valentina Shevchenko is as good as it gets today. This is her third title defense. She's been absolutely dominant since winning the vacant belt against Joanna Young-Jacek. She gets Caitlin Chukajian. And Valentina is a massive favorite in this one, Rashad. What does Chukagian bring to the table? That could give her some hope.
0: Chukagian brings in that a pace and she brings that forward pressure that a lot of girls don't have in a weight class and she brings in a lot of punches but she has this ability to wrestle her boyfriend or husband i should say is a, it was a great wrestler kyle seminara and he's taught her a lot of different techniques and you see her kind of it more and and just the pressure alone you know you bring that wrestling pressure is going to bring you in a good position and she also moves her feet really well too um that's going to be harder for uh, Shevchenko to counter because uh, Shevchenko likes to counter, but when somebody's putting that pressure on you, it's hard to get that pause to go with a counter when they're just kind of firing the whole time. And I think that's what you Kagan's gonna have to do. She's gonna have to just uh, fire the whole time. And then through firing the whole time, it'll cause Shevchenko to suppress her shots, her punching shots. And then that would allow Caitlin to implement her game. I think a big part of Caitlin's game is getting. Shevchenko to the ground and working on some of that ground that she's been working with uh, her ground coach John Danaher out of Henzo Gracie's uh, jiu-jitsu gym so I think those are the keys that can help out Chuka- Kagan.
1: yeah she certainly is working with the right people out there on Long Island a lot of a lot of big time names out there she can train with and, and going with John Danaher is a huge help to her she'll have that 4 inch height advantage I like what you're saying about using activity to sort of disarm Shevchenko easier said than done obviously <laughs> But Chukagian, I'll give her this. She's got such an awkward pace. I think it's gonna come down to her chin in the end because Valentina Shevchenko, especially at 125 pounds, is not to be messed with when it comes to accurate, heavy, hard counter shots. Her two title defenses kind of showed us both sides of the table. Jessica I, somebody who has that split decision victory over Chukagian a couple years back, really rushed and came at Shevchenko and got finished with a destructive head kick knockout. Then we saw Liz Carmouche, the veteran in, in Shevchenko's last bout, kind of just stand back and hold the ball. There were some boos, some criticism of Shevchenko allowing that to go five rounds, but Rashad, she dominated every second of that fight. Do you see Caitlin having to really bite down on that mouthpiece to take this fight rounds and really have a shot here?
0: Yeah, she's going to have to bite down that mouthpiece and she's going to have to make it an ugly, grueling dirty fight. That's what she's going to have to do because that's going to be her strength. You know, Shevchenko is is, is extremely well and extremely good at when she has the range and a distance and she doesn't need much in order to counter and strike. But you got to take that away from her. One reason, one way you can take that away from her is just by being on her being in her face, make it that, that grueling fight where it's not allowing her to have the space and opportunity to find those kind of shots. And also, when you get her into that place, you know, it may frustrate her. Being a champion is really hard to frustrate a champion, but no matter who you are, when the moves are not working, you get frustrated, and that's what Kagan has to do. She has to find a way to just jam up um, Shevchenko's technique a little bit and then find a way to make her his land. Look,
1: Shevchenko is is great i mean she's so friggin great rashad what that's not that's not the kind of analysis you put on a full screen or anything but she's friggin amazing and i give her so much credit because at bantamweight she was smaller she was compact and strong but she was largely just a counter striker while that's still her strength i think you've seen since she's moved down to flyweight at a more natural weight for her her strength on the ground has come out in spades I know you just sort of identified a potential avenue or key to victory for Chukagian is using her own size and taking this fight to the ground. Is that a trap, too? I mean, is this, is every road a dead end potentially for Caitlin here?
0: It may potentially be just because of, some of the simple fact that Shevchenko has gotten so good at every single facet of the sport you know you you look at someone in the way that she trains you know she has a private training she doesn't have a team and they pretty much travel on the road like the traveling circus and they, they they you know she works on every single technique and everything is focused on her and she's gotten so much better just because of simple fact that she doesn't have you know anyone else to worry about but everything and all the attention is focused on her and you know her ground is on point her her takedowns are on point she throws people like crazy and the power on the feet with a counter striking it is just it's just ridiculous you know there's so many ways that Shevchenko can win and you know she's getting better and better every single time she comes out in the octagon she's bringing out a new wrinkle her last fight against Les Carmouche was not what the fans wanted because they were you know expecting a big knockout but I'm guaranteeing the next time she comes out on Saturday we're going to see something that she learned from the fight that she's implementing in this one
1: she is just, you know, you talk mentality. Valentina Shevchenko with the tattoo of a firearm on her hip. She brings it in there. She is mentally, physically tough. A woman of the world, raised in Kyrgyzstan, spent a lot of her life in South America, trains in Thailand. Constantly, you identified that. She also has her older sister, Antonina, with a strong kickboxing background. Currently a UFC flyweight as well. Not a bad training partner from that point of view. Rashad, let's go on the record. The people want to know. Do you like an upset on Saturday, or is this Shevchenko by a mile?
0: It's Shevchenko. I got Shevchenko on this one. I just think that you know her, her, what she brings to the table is is going to be too much. You know, I think that Caitlin has grown so much. I think Caitlin is going to be uh, a different fighter when we see her in a cage on Saturday. But I don't think that is going to be enough. I think that she's going to um, she's going to be under a lot of uh, of pressure from Shevchenko just because Shevchenko is is amazing. And, 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 her and everything that she does. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> hey, the, the odds makers, they, they're not, they're not often way off. Okay. They may be onto something here. We move on, of course, to the headliner, John Jones, defending that 205 pound title. The one formerly worn, by the way, by the great Rashad Evans. You can see, oh, my shoulder here, a little, <laughs> little artwork with, uh, with Rashad carrying the belt right there. But uh, he'll be defending against unbeaten Dom Reyes. And we look at John Jones, 32 years old, made that return in December 2018, a little bit more than a year ago from the multiple battles with USADA, fought three times in basically a six-month span and gave you a couple different looks in finishing Alexander Gustafson, and then, of course, going the distance against Anthony Smith in a very close split decision in July with Tiago Santos. I want to start right here, though, Rashad. You're a former friend, foe, training partner, title opponent of the great John Jones. I already said off the top of the show he may be the GOAT, but how ridiculous is this that it was nine years ago he first won the light heavyweight title from Shogun Hua, and he has basically been the man for almost a full decade, save, of course, for the times that suspensions took him away and opened the door for Daniel Cormier. How ridiculous is it that he's only 32, that he's already the GOAT, and that you no one has this kind of longevity at the very, very top?
0: It's, it's unreal. It's unreal. I mean, when you're competing in the UFC and, you know, you've had the ups and downs outside the octagon of John Jones to be able to stay focused and still harness it, to be able to go out there and get the performances that he has inside the octagon is unbelievable. Um, it's such a mental uh, drain and he finds a way to do it every single time. I'm, I'm impressed, you know, When you look nine years ago and you see how dominant he was nine years ago, you're just like, all right, he's a good now, but he's going to fade, but he's never faded. You know, he's only gotten stronger throughout the years. And now he's looking still as unstoppable as he was back then.
1: Yeah. If there's any change to the new John Jones at 32, I think you're seeing a smarter, more efficient pace and style to what he's doing, which is natural as, as age starts to mount on you, but. If there's any concern coming in for Jones about this fight, it's certainly people that watched both the Anthony Smith fight in which he dominated but could not get a finish, and specifically that Tiago Santos fight. Rashad, when you look back at that performance from John Jones, was he playing with his food too much? Was he too comfortable in the idea of, I'll take this guy the distance and win, when Tiago almost backdoored a sneaky win there? Or are you seeing elements of slippage or or... Or even a, I don't know, a misgiving about putting his foot on the gas like we used to see. What do you sort of make of the criticisms John Jones has faced even through three consecutive victories?
0: Well, here's the thing about it. John Jones is a person, and, and just like the rest of us, the more you do something, the more you have an experience to draw from, and have an experience to draw from. Sometimes there's good experiences and sometimes there's bad experiences in the cage. And you can't shake the bad experiences. So He has those, he has the times where he's been rocked or he's had made it through this scary situation in a fight. We don't know how, you know, those blows affected him in the cage, but he does. So whenever you go through that in the cage, it's almost like a PTSD a little bit, it sticks with you. And it makes it so that you're not, you know, doing the things that he used to before he would go and he would do all these kind of crazy acrobatic things and stuff like that because he was young and he didn't have the fear of anything yet because nothing has really bad happened to him but you know he's been in a lot of fights and he's been in there with some tough guys and he's been caught with some big shots so that kind of changed a little bit and it kind of changes you know what you do and and how you perfect you know how what, what technique you do now with all that said does that that does not mean that John Jones is afraid to do a technique but now it just means he thinks about it a little bit more before he does it
1: Well look this is going to be a you know a little hipster theory making from me at identifying a potential warning sign but when you talk about what you just did having gone through the danger spots aggressively as a younger fighter but now as a veteran knowing the price knowing the score knowing too much maybe is there any fear what could happen to John here is what almost happened to George St. Pierre. What do I mean by that? George became a decision machine going five rounds in so many of those welterweight title defenses. And you almost saw a GSP, a guy who used to finish people early, become more of a prevent defense guy, become more of a, I'm going to try to dominate every aspect of this fight but I'm going to be more than happy and content to just out last year for 25 minutes and survive in advance. The reason why I bring up this fear is I've never heard John Jones so vocal like he is now about his legacy, about the idea of what he can do for the rest of this decade in his 30s, moving up to heavyweight and sort of to steal his own words, put his goat ship, if you will, put the idea of him being not one of the goats, but the go in such a far off distance that no one would be able to touch him. Is there any fear, Rashad, that John could be focusing too much on trying not to lose? And maybe that's what we saw against a dangerous Maheta just six months ago.
0: Hey, BC, I'm glad you heard it too, because that's what I heard. That's exactly what I heard when I watched the aerial aerial interview. Um, I kind of got a feeling just by watching the aerial interview that Dominic Reyes is... Is is um is his uh Benny Blanco from the Bronx to his Carlito Brigante, if you know what I mean? The the <laughs> the, the, the the Benny Blanco from the Bronx, a young up and coming kid who believed in himself. You know, every every sense of the word of um you know Dominic believes in himself, like John Jones believes in himself when he fought Shogun. You know, he has that 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 fear that that fearlessness to him. And I think John Jones recognizes that he recognized that fearlessness. And that's a tough place to be because John Jones is at a different place where, you know, where he doesn't see the challenges of a young guy like that because he's been through it so many times. He's been through, you know, this guy is going to do this. This guy says he's going to do this. He says, I can't do that anymore. Whatever. The ca- it, it, it gets hard to see the challenges of the challengers when you've been challenged so much and i think that's what john jones may be going through he may not be able to see that he's staring in fact at himself nine years ago
1: that's interesting now when you look at sort of the odds and the the chances for dom reyes to do the i don't want to say the impossible because look what's impossible is john jones being on the win streak that he's on and that no one's been able to catch him or surprise him or backdoor a questionable decision but when I look at the two times in John Jones's title reign in which I don't want to say he's been most compromised, but the most competitive, I look at the 2013 war with Alexander Gustafsson, which I believe we can explain away from a guy who was partying too much, overlooked his opponent, didn't take that whole situation seriously. He's grown from that on and on. The second time is that fight with Thiago Santos just a few months back. Here's the deal on this, Rashad. You could almost look at that as a distraction. If he's focusing too much on just doing enough to win, that's a different kind of distraction in my eyes. Now, look, what Tiago Santos did in that fight to make Jon Jones fight that way was test his chin early, land bombs in awkward times, in awkward space, overcome two leg injuries in which he's still recovering from today, and just go for it and explode. But if there's a connective tissue across the board that Dom Reyes might have, he's not that dissimilar in size, style, volume, and danger in my eyes to what Gustafson and Maheta brought to the table. So when I look at this fight, I certainly say Dom Reyes is a live dog here, unbeaten, six foot four, may not know any better not to go out there and empty the tank and walk into danger. But I think who ends up winning this fight comes more down to what's going on inside John Jones's head. Because if you told me this is the same John Jones that ran through that litany of light heavyweight heroes a decade ago, including yourself, Rashad Evans, in that five round decision, I'm predicting him to win by a knockout. But if Reyes can demand enough respect and keep this fight going, I don't know. Live dog, Rashad. Live dog alert. I'm telling you right now.
0: I agree. I agree 100%. You know, part of me, honestly speaking, was was thinking that Reyes was going to go with the upset. And I'm going to tell you why. Um, Listening to Reyes speak and even watching his last performances and just watching uh, what he does. You know, this kid can wrestle. This kid has power like power real power and he's a big big guy and that's something that john jones really hasn't faced he hasn't faced like someone with all the attributes put together like himself like like dom reyes has and that's what's going to be interesting i I think that Don, Ray, Don Reyes, you know, he's taking John Jones off the pedestal. John Jones is no longer, you know, oh, gosh, John Jones, uh, you know, the, the greatest light heavyweight of all time. He, he's taking him down. He's like, yeah, he's the guy's a human. He's very beatable. You know, that, that that means that when he looks across the octagon, he's not going to be like, wow, that's John Jones, and get all, like, starry-eyed by him. He's going to go in there. He's going to make it ugly. He's going to land a takedown. And, and if he does not get caught watching, because what happens ten, most of the time, When you're going against a guy like John Jones, you learn all his moves, you know all his moves before, because Dom Reyes was a fan at one point of John Jones, so he knows all his moves. And at that point, you can get to the point where you're just watching John, okay, that's that move, that's that move. But that's when John sneaks in something you didn't study for, because it's something that he just made up, you know? And then that's where he catches people. But Dom Reyes, if he goes in there and he doesn't get caught watching him, he goes in there, he fights his fight, he makes it ugly, he lands some takedowns, you know, just make it a different kind of pace fight. I think he stands a good chance of walking away as new. Wow.
1: wow. I mean, I love his mentality. He talked about at the UFC media lunch last week when he went face to face with John Jones uh, back in December at the UFC, at the press conference in Las Vegas First time he'd ever been in the same building as John. And he said, look, you know, I, I didn't feel anything. Like you mentioned, I didn't feel starry-eyed. I didn't feel nervous. My heart rate didn't go up. That's certainly the baseline foundation for someone to attempt to pull this kind of upset. But we, you identified your keys to victory there in that full screen for Dom Reyes. One of them making it ugly is certainly key. But you brought up takedowns. And I want to sort of counter you this and say, John Jones' takedown defensive percentage is through the roof. I believe what one man was a DC. The only mayor was it Gustafson? One of the two are the only Gustafson, the only man able to take him down. What have you seen up to this point from Reyes wrestling wise or athleticism wise that can give you confidence that he can do that against John?
0: Well, I know he has a wrestling background and I know that wrestling background, Joe, Joe Stevenson, he's going to try to bring that into factor. I think that when you go against somebody like Jones, you have to bring out all the tools in the toolbox. You're not going to just sit there and just land that left hand and and, and catch. I mean, you may catch him with it, but for the most part, you have to put something around it. And I think um, John Jones got taken down by Guffson because for one, he didn't expect it, but it also showed that he can be taken down. And he can be taken down quite simply, but it all has to do with how well you sell everything else. And if... Dominic Reyes sells everything else the right way, then he can take them down just as easy as Alexander Gustafsson did.
1: I want to get to Jones's keys in a second, but to close on Reyes, his last couple of bouts, he's shown us a little bit of everything—some good, maybe some questionable. Obviously, his destruction of former middleweight king Chris Weidman was spectacular and showed you, at six foot four, as a southpaw with the uppercuts, his devastating ability to stop people. But I wanna bring up that fight from March 2019 against Vulcan Ozdemir. He gets the split decision win, but a lot of people thought EA didn't deserve that, and he got taken down almost at will against a guy who's really not considered a wrestler. Is that sort of a aberration, a wake up call? What do you pick out when you look back at the tape of that fight?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think when I look back at that fight, I think it goes back to the same reason why Jones got taken down by Alexander Gustafsson. sometimes you you have in your mind a way that somebody's going to fight and then they do something different and it may take a little bit to get over it and I think that's what uh that, that's that's what happened to Dominic Reyes in that fight you know Uzumir just took him down a few times and he just really wasn't expecting it um do I think that his wrestling is is on the level of John Jones? No, but I think that he can wrestle. He was a wrestler in high school, and I think if he if he goes back to that, he's a big guy. He's a talented guy. He's an athletic guy. I think he can land a takedown. Because think about this: if Alexander Gustafsson landed a takedown on John Jones, and he has no wrestling background, why can't Dominic Reyes? And he has a wrestling background. You know what I'm saying?
1: Now Reyes will have the same. Issue that most Jones opponents have. He'll have a a 7.5-inch reach disadvantage. Rashad, you went the distance with John Jones. You heard him. You had some moments in there. How difficult is it? How much of a built-in, incredible advantage, along with all the other things that John Jones, that makes him great, is just that ability to be longer than you?
0: It's an an amazing, uh, tremendous advantage for him because what that seven inch reach does is it it always constantly put him in range to hit you and you'll be outside of range where you think you're outside of range and you'll be trying to take a few breaths or just kind of figuring out what you're going to do next and you're already in range to strike even before you get there the the part that got me with this reach was just not realizing how long those elbows were coming behind that reach. And that's something that that was really hard for me to gauge because I can see where his hands are coming out, but I'm like, okay, that's good. But then he had an elbow that came out just as long as his arms did and it surprised me. But that's what that seven inch reach does, that he's able to do that. And then if you couple in the fact that he uses his legs and, and the teeter totter movement going back and forth so well in conjunction with that reach it almost makes it impossible to hit him or or just you know it makes it easier for him to do whatever he wants to on you so it's it's a huge advantage for him
1: now for John I mentioned the the, the caution I thought he he Could have and should have taken down and obviously injured uh, Tiago Santos late in that fight to probably secure it better. Obviously, I'm not the guy who's put myself in the line of danger, and credit to Maheta for always having something heavy to give John Jones pause. But in light of that, when you look at the keys for victory for Jones on Saturday against the frame, the size of somebody as Dom Reyes, how does John Jones win this fight?
0: Well, what John Jones needs to do is what John Jones always does. You know, John Jones has controlled the tempo of the fight. As long as John Jones is controlling the tempo of the fight, he has the ability to pick his shots. When John Jones is picking his shots, he will put you in his trick bag and he'll put you to sleep. Russell from the cage john jones on the cage is absolutely dynamic i haven't seen too many guys use the cage as well as john jones because you know he has so many different options that he does on a cage and he almost makes it feel like no matter what you do in that position you're doing something wrong um and also utilizing the lower oblique kick that he does so well that lower kick is gonna pause the motion Of Dominic Reyes coming in because Dominic Reyes is going to come in fast. He's going to come in hard. A few oblique kicks is going to mess up the timing of him coming in and it may even injure his legs. So he's not going to be able to have a lot of power to plant when he wants to land those powerful shots.
1: Shot, it is prediction time. I'm going to jump in and go first. Here's the deal Dom Reyes does have what it takes to pull this upset on Saturday. Will he do it is the key question here. At the end of the day, John Jones is still John Jones. He's still in the midst of his physical prime. And I think if we're going to look at Dom Reyes maybe learning from that tight fight with Vulcan Ozdemir, I think you can say the same about what John learned about leaving Tiago Santos out there, leaving him on the hook and not getting rid of him when he had the opportunity. I think Reyes' aggression may end up playing against him. But what I think ultimately will separate these two in the end are intangibles. There's a reason why John Jones has been here. There's a reason why on maybe his worst night at the office, he was still able to outlast an elite championship-level performance from Alexander Gustafsson in their first fight. He's a champion at the end of the day, a warrior. He has a chin, and you can revisit the Santos fight. You can revisit the Machida fight, the Rashad Evans fight. He has a chin that has never been bested. He finds ways to win I think he does it once again. I think the unbeaten side of Reyes, the upstart side of him, I think Jones is is emboldened by this. He loves the challenge. He could have picked Corey Anderson just the same. He wanted a guy who was unbeaten, a guy who believes in himself. I think ultimately the hot we're talking about here for Dom Reyes may play against him. You identified the leg kicks. That's a great way to weaken a guy, prepare him for a takedown, and get that choke. I think John Jones does it in the third round. What is your prediction for Saturday night?
0: I think John Jones is gonna have his hands full with Dominic Reyes. I think that Dominic Reyes is coming in his fight and and he's, you know, coming in his fight um with a different kind of I guess feel than than I can say um John John's other opponents has. I feel as if like he's taken almost a disrespect, like he's knocked John off the pedestal, like he's like, I'm 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 here. This is this is something that is is meant to be. You know, he feels like it's a higher calling for him to 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 get this belt. And when when you feel like that, you fight like that. And I think that is um something that John recognizes too. And I kind of notice when they're doing their interviews and when they're speaking about each other, John is very perturbed by this guy. He he's just he's more bothered than I than I'm used to seeing him with people. And and it's really weird because. I haven't really seen much from dominic that draws out that that feeling but john kind of said it when he was like you know dom is is he's he was the jock he was a guy who who had everything i didn't you know he kind of tied tapped into some uh some latent uh, emotional feelings john had so i think that's where john is fighting from but nevertheless this guy dominic ray is is um he, he's a challenger he has power in his in his in his left hand he can wrestle um he's strong but at the same time, he is going against a John Jones, who is, in my opinion, the best fighter to ever put on the four-ounce gloves. You know, he's um proficient in his striking, his groundwork is amazing. Uh his his improvation, his improvation inside the, the cage is, is amazing. So um with all of that said, I think that John is gonna struggle for a little bit until he finds that thing is going to separate him, and then he's going to be able to take over the fight. But I think for the first few rounds, it's going to be a closer fight than most people expect. But I think that John Jones is going to get a decision in the end.
1: There it is. Dom Reyes did say Jones has fought strikers. He's fought wrestlers. He's never fought an athlete like me. We'll see if the former college football player can do and can, can do the impossible, right? Become the first man to legitimately defeat John Jones on Saturday at UFC 247. Let's take a recap at our picks for this card, Rashad. I don't know if people should bet the house on what I'm saying here, but you seem to know what you're doing. Jones <laughs> Reyes at the top. All Shevchenko, we'll see what plays out on the rest of that card. I don't know, Rashad. Anytime John Jones is there, I'm ready. I'm front row. I'm eating the popcorn. I'm ready to go. He is a special individual all time as well. And that will do it for your state of combat preview for UFC 247. For the Hall of Famer, Rashad Evans, this is Brian Campbell. If you're just watching us for the first time, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast, giving you the best in boxing and MMA every week, wherever podcasts can be found. The State of Combat is out. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Jones Reyes, we out. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network.